Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey there. We are releasing today's episode a day early because today, November 6th, marks the midterm elections here in the United States. We know that so many of you have been fighting the good fight and will continue to do so in as many ways as you can, and that some of you are even running for your local office in this election. This is our call to all of you to remember to, of course, vote today, but also to do your best to ensure that others vote as well. There are so many people in this country who are not able to vote today and who would give anything to have their voices heard in this and in every election. So keep them in your minds and your hearts today as you go to the polls. Ask your neighbors if they need a ride. Call your friends and family. Put on your buffering best and send us your selfies once you get your I Voted sticker. And listen, keep holding each other tight like you're so good at doing. Another thing to remember is that we are all in this fight together and we love you. As a measure of some of that love for you, I am, of course, going to bring you the new segment I've started, which is Spooky News. Now, I want to encourage you all to please send me your suggestions for Spooky News. You can email us at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. Send me all of the spooky news you come across because I may feature it in this new little segment. And something to bring a smile to all of your faces, Jenny has given us theme music for our new Spooky News segment. Okay, your spooky news for today is about uh, a woman named Amethyst Realm, who is a spiritual counselor. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I'm not sure that Amethyst Realm is her given name, but maybe it is. I don't know. It just seems like, was she named Amethyst Realm and then she decided to be a spiritual counselor? Or did she decide to be a spiritual counselor and then name rename herself Amethyst Realm? Well, that's not the point. The point is that Amethyst has um, come forward with the fact that she is, after having taken over 20 uh, ghost lovers in her life, she met a ghost who she fell in love with while she was vacationing in Australia. So let's, let's go through this, right? So Amethyst is in Australia. She's on vacation. She walks and sort of like senses this presence, this ghost presence, and falls in love with this ghost. And she's like bummed because she has to go leave and go back home and she has to leave Australia. So she gets on the plane. She's like super sad because she left her ghost lover behind. But then guess what, you guys? Her ghost lover was on the plane because the ghost lover loved her too. So she was really excited. And in one of the articles I read on this story from uh, news.com.au, she's quoted as saying, I was happy and excited, so excited that we had to do something about it. This is she's talking about when they're on the plane. So excited that we had to do something about it. So we headed to the plane loo. She's from uh, the UK. Can you tell? And, well, she says, now I'm a member of the Mile High Club. So um, she had sex with the ghost in the bathroom of the plane, first of all. And then they, like, got home and they went to this cave, like, this, like, whatever, touristy cave. And Amethyst was, like, super in love and Ghosty was super in love. And halfway through the tour, Ghosty was like, I want to hang back. And that's when Ghosty proposed. Now, Amethyst says there was no going down on one knee 
because he doesn't have knees. You guys, he's a ghost. Uh, but this was the first time the Amethyst heard Ghosty speak. Now, she refers to him as him in this interview, but in this interview, she also says that his energy is like no other lovers, but that it's more feminine and gentle, adding, quote, I'm not 100% sure this lover is male. So it's a little queer. It's a little queer. It's queer anyway because it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Now, here's the part of the story that I find most interesting. Amethyst says that she now wants to have a baby with her ghosty husband. I mean, rude. Why are we saying husband? We don't even know the gender of this ghost. So rude. Uh, Amethyst said she knows, like, the idea sounds crazy, but she adds that she looked into it and she doesn't think it's totally out of the question. Listen, we're here. We're talking about vampires and demons and ghosts and all sorts of things, and you know that I 100% believe in ghosts. I believe in them more than ever now that I live alone and I'm watching The Haunting of Hill House. I definitely believe ghosts are real. So I'm like here for Amethyst. This story definitely makes me chuckle because of all of its like nuance and mostly because um, I love the fact that Amethyst is like, like I know she's chill because she's like marrying a ghost and she wants to have the ghost baby. But I love that she's even like that her chillness extends into, listen, I don't even know. Ghosty doesn't have knees and I don't even know if Ghosty is a boy or a girl or if that is a non-binary Ghosty. I have no idea. All I know is I'm in love with Ghosty. I want to spend my life with Ghosty. So like to that I say, more power to you, Amethyst. Welcome to our spooky news segment. Keep us updated. And I would also like to say that like this really puts a spin on everything that's happening with Ghost Dennis and Cordelia. Like, you know, who I didn't even think about the fact that like maybe they like maybe Ghost Dennis had a crush on Cordelia. Maybe they like made out a little bit. I, you know what I mean? I just didn't think about it. And Amethyst is making me think about these things. So that, my friends, is your spooky news for this week. Just a couple of other quick news items that are related to buffering the vampire slayer and not ghost weddings. Angel on Top had an incredible episode last week with parting gifts. Um, they had an amazing interview with the actor who played Barney. And next week, they're coming at you with Somnambulist, which is hard to say, but I did it. Uh, and very soon, you're going to be getting some fun new jingles over in Angel Land and some new merchandise. So if you aren't already listening, you should get on over there and begin that watch because it's super fun. And they have a lot of fun things coming down the pipeline for you. Um, we have, as always, so many fun things in our store. You can go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on shop. We have socks and we have shirts. We have CDs. We even have vinyl now. Um, we have a lot of fun things in there, and I know I'm a little bit biased, but I think they would really make very wonderful holiday gifts. Just saying. Uh, as you probably know by now, but just in case you don't, we will see you London so soon. We're going to be at the Vampire Ball from November 30th till December 2nd. Uh, and Seattle, we're also coming for you. January 19th and 20th, we will be at PodCon. You can find that information, all the information about where we will be on our website. You just go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com, click on calendar. And you know, if you want to have a real good time, you could actually just type in bufferingthevampireslayer.com forward slash Jenny calendar because that's how you find our calendar. All the details are there. I'm going to stop talking now because I've given you spooky news. I'm going to remind you one more time to please vote. Send us your pictures of you voting. Make us feel so wonderful today that we are surrounded by this incredible community, this incredibly active community who is just doing so, so much to fight the good fight, um, to fight on behalf of all of those who can't fight. Uh, I love you all. Jenny loves you all. Vote. And uh, we will now get into the episode.
welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are still watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, spoiler free. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. Yes, and I am still Kristen Russo. And this week, we're talking about Buffy Season 4, Episode 11, Doomed. Which is, uh, you know, it's not often that, like, we have the title spoken in the episode so many times. But boy, do they say doomed a lot in doom. Yeah, right? (laughs) Stay tuned to the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. And if you haven't yet started listening to our Angel podcast, Angel on Top, hosted by Brittany Ashley and Laura Zach, what in the good hell are you doing? What indeed. Doomed was written by Marty Noxon, David Fury, and Jane Espenson, and directed by James A. Contner. It originally aired on January 18th in the year of our Lord, 2000. (gasps) Wait, Jenny, do you remember (gasps) when this is, we made it through Y2K. Y2K. We survived. I've been so afraid. Oh, thank goodness. I've been so scared. I've, I've put all of my computers and electronics in the refrigerator. In uh, the refrigerator. I was just terrified. Uh, but uh, but we made it. Congratulations. Wow. I'm so glad that we didn't die. We didn't lose all our data. Uh, time didn't start moving backwards or whatever people thought was going to happen at Y2K. Just saying that, like, if a Y2K reference makes it into the song for Doomed, I personally will not be mad about it. <laughs> So this is the one. Also, it took three people wrote this. The I was gonna like say that's a lot of writers. That's a lot of that's three good writers, and this is kind of a bad episode. Yeah, it's like fine. Like I feel it's like, like okay. It's definitely not greater than the sum of those parts. No, there it are has... like enjoyable things, delightful yes. things. Yes. Uh, but the main, like the flow, maybe like each of them wrote one of the plots, <laughs> and that's right? why it feels kind of like disjointed. Like. Buffy's plot just feels kind of like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't know. I care a little. Riley's very compelling. But it's a, it's sorry, sorry, episode. sorry. You haven't even said this I is the one I haven't even said what yet. it is yet. It's, okay, this is the one uh, where, while attempting to redefine her relationship with Riley, Buffy must also stop demons that are determined to reopen the Hellmouth. Thank you, IMDB, for that. that was Why really do demons a- want to die all the time? Well, de- a demon... just want to end the world. Oh, 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 right. It's true. It's like, you know, it's conflicting because often we see demons like trying really hard to stay alive and yet their whole mission is to end everything. Like it makes more sense to me, you know, like the demons that um, we were talking about in what was the episode of Angel that like sort of paralleled World War II. The, the, right, 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 right. That, that episode, um, Hero, that had like more of a, okay, these demons are like, the, their intentionality is that they only think that pure-blooded demons should inhabit the earth. Like fucked up and and not, but in, in the end, they're living still. I don't, yeah, I don't understand the whole, like, end it all, end humanity. Don't you want to keep the Earth for your demon selves? It's weird. Anyway, apparently, you know, for an episode that we don't, like, t- aren't totally obsessed with, we have a lot to say about it already. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the, the, the previously on and we're like, well. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, unless you have more to say about the previously on, which I don't. No, no. I am very pleased with how this episode begins. I think it's really nice. Like it's it's really like just the same shot that we left from Hush. Right, with picking them up on. from the end of Hush. Yeah, and there's like silence, and then you hear like a dog barking. To which I say, could dogs bark in Hush? 
we're, we're like, could animals make noises in Hush? I don't remember hearing any noises at all. So like, I would love to see a scene that maybe was cut where like we see a dog barking, but there's no bark coming out of its mouth. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we didn't see any when they cut away to all the people's voices getting sucked out of them. We didn't see any doggos. We didn't no doggos shown. Speaking of doggos, just a small shout out. You all know uh, Emily McLongstreet at this point who does our sexual tension brackets at the end of the seasons. She's a wonderful human. And um, if you didn't see, just scroll back a bit on our Twitter because Emily did a side-by-side photo collage of characters from Buffy and their doggos. Like, like the dogs that look just like them. And it's (laughs) really, really brilliant. So you said doggos made me think of that. Wanted to just shout you out, Emily, for always doing really fantastic work on our, (laughs) uh, on all of our behalves. So thank you. Um, So, so they, so they start to talk, right? And I think, yes, and and here it is, here it is. Indisputable proof. Buffy is a Capricorn on the cusp of Aquarius. Here we are. Spoken right out of her own mouth. So confirmed. Confirmed. And something, Jenny, that I noticed uh, is that they each ask each other a question. Riley says, what are you? And Buffy says, who are you? Oh, um, rude, Riley. Uh, yeah. So I just like, you know, I- I'm going to give Riley a jingle later on for another more, like I'm, I'm a little bit more offended later in the episode with Riley. But um, but I was just like, yo, dude, like maybe take a cue from like being a person and what are you? But it's, it kind of does like... It underlines, I think, some of the theme in this episode where, like, Forrest is saying, you know, Slayer is like a boogeyman. It doesn't exist. It's like this thing, blah, blah, blah. And, like, you know, they're the whole, like, Scooby gang and the way that they gather information is so at odds with the very, like, grounded military-based way in which, like, Riley and the initiative get their information. So I just thought it was, like, like writing-wise, I thought it was, like, a cool little, like, nod to what we were about to journey through. Yeah, I guess there is a lot of sort of like seeing both sides and how their worlds kind of like function differently. Yeah. This episode. Yeah. And and of course, it gives us this hilarious. There's a couple moments in this episode as much as like I did continually forget what happened in this episode. Like I would like watch it and then a week would pass <laughs> and I'd be like, wait, what again happens in Doomed? Uh, <laughs> but like there are some like key little lines here that I've seen elsewhere and like pulled from other places. And this is one of them, right, where she's like, Slayer, chosen one. She who hangs out a lot in cemeteries. Look it up. <laughs> yeah. Slayer, comma, the. It's like a pretty it's pretty nice but also like where are you gonna look that up that's true well in any of giles's books but the initiative doesn't have uh, a hold of anything like that so they, they no, don't and s- search engines are pretty new at this point i i'm gonna like i know we usually like really really go in order but i'm i'm feeling inspired and so i'm just gonna jump ahead a little bit because i want to talk about this like the books and like the way that they gather information and all of that and how it's presented to us is like at stark you know in stark contrast to each other the scoobies and the initiative mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. I there's this moment that happens later where Forrest is talking about the Slayer and Riley's like, but but what else is there? Like, there is it just this thing? And Forrest is like, oh, they're just animals, man. Like, that's it. It's just like whatever. And it just really made me think about how, as human beings, we can compartmentalize to see only what we want to see, right? Like to like, mm-hmm. like, like Forrest literally inhabits a, the basement of a building where there are all sorts of demons and monsters and is still like, yeah, there's nothing mystical here. No, they're just, an- they're just rare animals, you know? And like just lives that way without ever questioning 
that there might be more to this. So I just, and I think that's one of the major differences between the initiative and, you know, the Slayer and the Watcher and like that whole thing is like one is rooted in facts and data and they are animals and this is like measurable. It's all measurable. Whereas the initiative or whereas, um you know, Buffy and crew are very much like, I feel like they're more like feeling it out, you know, like they're like really listening, really kind of in touch with the bigger picture. I don't know, they're like kind of listening, but there is that thing that we we periodically touch on, which is that like just because vampires want something different than humans doesn't make one or the other necessarily good. Like what if vampires look at humans the same way that Buffy looks at vampires. Sure, sure, sure. That's true. There is, there's definitely a divide there happening for them. But I just mean in general, like, right, they're, they're thinking about, like, what does this demon want? What does it feel? What does it need? Like, how does it feed? Like, they're, they're sort of, like, thinking about it from all angles. Right. You know, right, which, right, right. which, as we see in this episode, obviously, like, prepares them, and, and I think we'll continue to see, like, it prepares them much more than just, like, data on a page does or right. can. Kill, um, neutralize, whatever. Yes, and part of that might also be that, like, Buffy is the slayer, and so she can run after a, a monster in the forest without any weapons or backup, right? And so, like, Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, if you don't have that ability, then perhaps you do have to be more grounded and practical to, like, you know, for safety, for, for you know, right. trying to stay alive. So, I don't know. Right. Apparently... Coming into Doomed with some big thoughts. I apologize, everyone, but I have big thoughts today. I am here for it. <laughs> Super here for it. You know what else I'm here for? What else are you here for, Jenny? Well, they're having this whole conversation, and he's all like, <laughs> I can't tell you about myself. And she's like, cool, well, here, let me tell you about yourself instead. And like, then she just like bullseyes him like point by point by point by point. And that's all great. And then she's like, I'm the Slayer. And then he's like you're amazing, you're so strong, I'm a walking bruise today, if you see me with my clothes off, and then he breaks off there, and then they, like, make some meaningful eye contact, and I'm yeah. like, yes, <laughs> and then, what then? What happens if she sees you with your clothes off, Mark Lucas? <laughs> Jenny was like, so what do you look like with your clothes off? <laughs> yeah, it's very important for me, for science, to know. <laughs> How can I do this podcast without having all of the data? Uh <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think too that this really sets up another theme of like not only this episode but really like this season, which is the the fact that like these two have just discovered that they are way more than met the eye to each other, right? But it's still like sex is still enough to just like wipe all of it away. They're like, yeah, we should really blah blah blah, and then he's like talks about his clothes being off for one second, and they're immediately and they're derailed. both like, ah, oh, what were we saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Dude, uh, also, Buffy's like, I thought you were a nice, normal guy, uh, but you're not. And let me tell you something. Two episodes ago, Buffy was like, Ugh, he's just like, he's great. He's just like a nice, normal guy, though. <laughs> and to that I say, <laughs> at, at great personal risk to myself in the, in the eyes of our listenership, women! <laughs> it is true. She is going against her own wishes here. She kind of got what she ask for but doesn't want it uh but it's complicated it's complicated you know what is not complicated at all jenny what's that the giant earthquake that shakes sunnydale right to its core and all the cameramen they can't keep their cameras steady the oh my gosh is- the cameras are just like shaking like crazy <laughs> now do you think amy amy sort of like um uh what's the word anticipates this amy yeah. the rat and do you think that because later we see the demons like kind of getting all squiggly all over the place 
Um, and we're led to believe that it has something to do with like the impending doom, you know? Um, oh, d- are we? I thought it was just the impending earthquake. No, but it's after the earthquake. Oh, I just thought like maybe some other earthquakes happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe uh, this is like one of the many places in, where this episode really doesn't like totally nail it down. Yeah, yeah. The corners are definitely coming up. But so either those demons are like uh, just like shook up after the earthquake or they're shook up because like they they sense something is afoot. And um, as as uh, the Scoobies find out later, Yet another attempt upon the life of the world is being taken uh, by the porcupine <laughs> demon squad. So, right. um, so when Amy starts squeaking out, uh, do we think that it is supernatural or just like animal instinct in nature? I vote animal instinct in this poll. Um, I very much like. I very much thought the whole time that even the like sort of like riled up nature of the monsters was just like the after effects of the fact that the pl- like Teutonic plates, is that what they're called? Shifted in the... Uh, tectonic. Tectonic. You're, right. Teutonic, teutonic is Riley. Is... <laughs> tectonic is the Earth's plates. Well, I mean, so tectonic and teutonic plates shifted sure, in this earthquake, sure. if you know what I mean. So, yeah, I, I just, I read it as that, but um, but a good a good discussion point. You know, feel free to pause the podcast now if you're in the car with somebody or if you have a friend that you're listening with and discuss amongst yourselves. Yes, talk <laughs> it out. Immediately following the earthquake, Riley is me. And it's like, wow, an earthquake. How exciting. Wow. Everything yeah, and- looks slightly different now. I'm still alive. Wow. Right. And Buffy's, and Buffy's like, like, listen, listen, bitch. Buffy's I in the sunken place. Time, Buffy is so, like, you yeah. don't understand. Yeah. I am Buffy triggered. Is, Buffy is fucked up um, for, for good reason. And I, I like forgot that there was an earthquake involved at all in previ- in a previous season. Like, that wasn't even on my radar, you know? Like, I remember so much about that episode, but I didn't remember that there was an earthquake. But, yeah, she's fucked up because she's like, uh, the last time this happened, I fucking died, uh, which yep. she doesn't say to Riley, but she says, you know, later on when we get to uh, when we get to Giles and his map. Can't wait to get there. But before we yeah, get there, excited. we go to we the credits. We have to go to the credits, baby, Jenny! because... Guess who's in the credits? It's Mark Lucas looking so good. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful song. I'm sure you prepared that one for many, many I, days. Yes. Yes. I'm very excited for uh, everyone's least favorite butterscotch hunk to officially join the cast <laughs> credit style. How exciting. Yes. Welcome. Welcome, Mark. Uh, yeah. we, we, some of us uh, happier to, no, we're all happy to see you, Mark. Uh, some of us happier to see you, Riley, than others in the credits, but. Yes, 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 uh, yes, yes. But he's here. Also, he's in. speaking of dudes being hot, <laughs> I don't know when our podcast became mostly about dudes being hot, but Spike is hot. I think, I think it, I think it took the most severe turn when Xander put on the speedo. Like I think that's, <laughs> oh, yeah. in the journey of us and this podcast, I think that's when shit really went off the rails and it, it became truly hunk mania, hunko mania. That was way back at the the end of season two. So it's been a while. We've been a hunk centric podcast for some time now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but Spike is hot. 
Spike is real hot. Uh, Spike is super hot in this scene. And also, like, not to, like, get too ahead. I'll talk about it later, too. But later, when Spike finally gets his fucking clothes back together, woo, <laughs> those blue jeans. Yeah. Excuse me, sir. Uh, looking yeah. very nice. Looking very yeah. nice indeed. Uh, he he refers so great. <laughs> he refers to his chair as his sleeping chair, which really tickled me. <laughs> Uh, uh, it, it has gotten sodden from his uh, the earthquake chair. Listen, I'm here to fucking tell you. I'm here to tell you and everyone listening that I recently went to my friend's house. My friend had a new chair. I got in the chair. He was like, push that button. And it like, it was kind of like, uh, it like swung me down. And then he was like, push it the other way. And then it swung me back up to a regular sitting <laughs> position. And then he was like, turn this knob. And then the whole chair started vibrating. And I was like, okay. <laughs> It just and sounds then, to me like you were like in Star Trek or so. Like it doesn't sound like you were just in a normal chair. No, it felt very Star Trekian. But the thing is that, and I was like, wow, this is so great. And this this chair was like uh, color, the color of gold, right? And then I, and then that was <laughs> what days is ago. This story. <laughs> and then I turned on this episode and was like, holy fucking fuck! How did I miss this? I was in. The exact same chair that Spike sleeps in. It's just a different color and in my friend DJ's house. And listen, I'm here to add, I'm here to posit, based on this new information, that Spike's sleeping chair is capable of vibrating. You think? You heard it here first. Wow. Do not fuck with me. Okay. It is the same chair. Trust. Okay. Well, we can trust or we can call upon you, uh, listeners, to do some research and find out. Do those chairs come in vibrating and non-vibrating options? It just, it sounds like the the chair you describe sounds like real expensive, you know? And it just doesn't seem like um, Xander, given his economic status, his family's economic status, would have such a high high level chair. Um, I think he got it at like a Salvation Army. Like somebody just didn't realize it's it's worth and just like tossed it and they picked it up. Uh huh. All right. Okay. Well, we'll find out. Um, I can't wait. You can email us at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail <laughs> All of your chair facts. Please. Uh, something else I want to talk about that we learned in this scene is that uh, Xander. Well, Xander first of all is like really kind of like puffing his chest in a way that I'm I'm kind of into. You know, like he's just like was yo, right? dude. Well, I mean, not into, like, not into, but, like, just I'm into the fact that he's like, listen, I'm fucking going to work. I'm doing all this shit. I'm buying your blood. And that's where the record scratches for me. I was like, wait, say what? So you guys are, like, harboring Spike, but also, like, part of Xander's salary is going toward uh, blood for Spike? <laughs> that's like, Yeah, shouldn't he be getting, like, a stipend from, um... <laughs> The vampires, something? the vampires council. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the uh, vampires council. But so they're they're buying his blood. But yeah, I just like how Xander. I like Xander's like sort of telling of telling Spike like, listen, dude, you're like really leeching off of my shit, and like the the house is a mess, and I have to go to work. Yeah. So like, get Tighten your shit the together. coupling, dude. Yeah, do some fucking, laundry. Do some fucking laundry. Um. So before we get to fucking the results of Spike doing laundry, which is definitely my favorite part of the episode, we go to the dorms, right, where Willow makes just a, a classic 19th century literature joke. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Willow. Yeah. Only ta- you know who would have loved that fucking joke is fucking Tara. Tara. Yeah, where's Tara when that joke gets rolled out? God, she would have laughed that zigzag part right out of her hair. She would have thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> and other than that, the only thing that really happens in this scene is that we learn that there's going to be an earthquake party. Of course, there's going to be an earthquake party. Um, college. College, where there's always a reason for a party. And um, and there's this moment, right, where, like, Willow's like, you should bring Riley. And Buffy looking really hot in this scene, like, just real good. Buffy is, like, in this orange shirt. Uh, is just like, I don't know, uh, Riley's uh, busy. Proving once again that all the Scoobies <laughs> are great at lying. They're, they're yeah, top they're skill. they're all so bad at lying. <laughs> and then and then she's like, I got to go talk to Giles. And Willow's like, is anything wrong? And Buffy's like, no, nothing is wrong. Everything <laughs> is fine. Do not worry. Willow, my friend. Like, <laughs> yeah. everybody get your shit together. Yeah, people really need to get their shit together. But you know who has his fucking shit together, Jenny? is Giles. Giles <laughs> if his shit is fucking pins all over a map, then fuck yeah, he's got it together. Oh, he's so, literally so, it like reminded he me. He is like, like a- giddy about this map. True, it reminded me of like a little kid playing Battleship, you know? Like he's just like moving points around and he's so totally. excited. And he's so annoyed with Buffy, who's just like busy dealing with post-traumatic stress. And he's like, yeah, yeah, just fucking yeah. shut up already. Can we play with my map, you know? Um, yeah. I will say Giles is wearing a very nice sweater in this scene. Well, you know, it's about time because we, you know, Giles. Is really he was wearing awesome. some not so great sweaters recently. This one yeah. is banging. Yeah, he's probably just like really sad about Olivia leaving, and you know, like when you get sad about like a person leaving, sometimes you just need to like make yourself look really good so that you feel better about yourself, and that's probably why yeah, Giles yeah. is wearing that. Nice he would be sending her selfies if selfies were a thing. <laughs> no, uh, at this point no, no, he wouldn't be sending her selfies. He would be taking selfies and putting them on social media so she could see oh, them. Oh, sure, sure. But like not, you know, like, come on. Still Jenny. incredibly British. Pip, pip, look okay. at my map. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Giles is just like, will you stop focusing on what may be and focus on what is? Uh, he's all hyped up, him and his beautiful map. And then we go to Riley and Forrest, the lovebirds mm. that they are. And it really gets, I think it takes, they take it to a whole new level in this um Really? This, I do. I do. We'll get there. We'll get to the balls. We'll get to them. Uh, but <laughs> the balls. But for now, uh, Forrest, and we talked about this a little bit already, but like he's basically like the Slayer is like the Easter bunny. You know, this right, shit isn't right. real. Like what we do is science. Uh, it's, it's not magic. Um, <laughs> something that I want to talk about, I mean, these scenes are like kind of whatever, like, I feel like I don't have anything massive to say in, in many of them, but <laughs> this scene, so like Forrest and Riley are talking and, um, they're talking about like science versus not science or whatever. And then this monster walks by and he's all fucking amped up because of the earthquake or because of doom or who knows why. And he like throws off the person that's, that's walking him and like attacks Forrest and gets Forrest in a headlock and Forrest is like... Um, quick with that hypo or whatever. Like he's like talking to this dude whose yeah, literal yeah. entire job is to fucking put liquid in a needle and and give it to a monster. And this dude, I don't know where they hired him, but he definitely fudged his resume because he cannot keep it together. <laughs> he drops the needle like eight fucking times, and I, <laughs> I just really enjoy the mess of it all. I'm like, who is this dude? Yeah, yeah, he definitely. Got somebody else to take the hypo-loading test for him or something. (laughs) Yeah. So it's off to the uh, Aftershock party, of course. And Willow has gone alone. Oh, did they have? Remember Aftershock? Isn't Aftershock a a liquor? Oh, they should have been fucking Aftershock. That should have been the drink special at the fucking Aftershock. Okay, sorry. Continue, Jenny. (laughs) Okay, so wow, we see Percy and it's so exciting for 0.5 seconds before we figure out that 
Percy's just being kind of a jerk. Oh my god, um, he's being such a fucking asshole. Mid sentence, that girl's like, um, can we go away from here? In his ear. This is like a bummer. Like, I don't know why they did this to us and Percy. I mean, I guess they had to give us somebody who who knew Willow in high school so that it could like, so that that person could like bring up all of her insecurities about like her former self and also like all of her insecurities about losing Oz in the first place. Like Willow has a lot of shit going on with her like nerd self and like, and then, and then like what a woman should be to a man or a person. Like, you know what I mean? Like she just feels a lot like this, this nerd thing is not just about being a nerd for her. It like stirs up all of the, like, why did Oz leave me? Why did Oz love Veruca? Like, you know, right, all this, right, all this right. shit comes up for her. But I'm like really bummed because I loved Percy and I loved the relationship that Percy and Willow had. I thought it was like really, really sweet and nice. And I, I really am bummed to see it take a turn like this and I just like look at Percy and I, and I look at this fucking girl who's a fucking asshole and I'm like dude what are you doing like what are you doing uh and well and- he likes his women hot apparently call him old-fashioned ew oh, you know what I'll call him I'll call him by the name of a certain jingle written for this exact reason the Patreon Uh, speaking of the patriarchy, Jenny, that before we sure. even get to Percy, I noticed something that I haven't noticed on my previous watches before. It's like we get to the party and the camera sort of like pans and in the pan, there's this dude and a girl up against like a pole and they're, it, it, at first it just like appears like, oh, they're making out, right? It's just like kids making out at a party. But when you look at them, it's actually the dude is kind of like, like making out on her and she's just like looking off into space. She's so <laughs> Oh God! She's so bored. She's just oh. like, oh, this she's outside of her body, looking down. Like, she's when will this be over? Looking over it. Um. So I don't know if that was like a direction or if that girl just decided to fucking go for it. But like, whoever you are, extra, I love you and thank you for that. Uh, it made me feel very amused. Speaking of stuff that's going on at this party, uh, <laughs> we get a look at this guy who's making drinks, and he is not wearing a shirt. Uh He's by himself in a room calling over his shoulder, but like no one is anywhere like near the door or anything. Like who is he talking to when he says, oh, you guys serious about naked limbo? I'm in. Like (laughs) I feel like that guy just like made that. He was like, maybe um, if I say something like this, like somebody will come talk to me. (laughs) Maybe this will be a good conversation starter if I just. Scream out into the void about naked limbo. Yeah, but um, instead we get this beautiful shot, a reveal of, I mean, this is basically a segment at this point, more manicured monster nails. Just like every (laughs) fucking monster has the most beautiful nails. And I, like, I know that so many of you have talent. So like, you know, if you like have some extra time, maybe you're going to like go home for the holidays or whatever. And you're going to be like, oh, I don't really don't want to be around my family. What should I do? What you should do is you should go back and you should grab all of the manicures that we've seen so far on the monsters for me, because I just think that they make like a beautiful, I think it would make a beautiful set for us to see. (laughs) Oh my God. This monster has like the most beautiful shade of pink. Like he really, he like really looked at his complexion. He was like, you know, green, like what's a great, like what color should I go for that could really like make the green pop? And he thought pink and he was right. Like he knows what the fuck is up. So (laughs) congratulations. What did you call them? Hedgehog monsters? Uh, Porcupine porcupine demons. 
Porcupine demons. Yeah, I, th- I think they did a great job. And so then he uses those nails, perhaps, to um, murder and drain uh, <laughs> the, the the man who was going to play Limbo. And that's a life yeah, lesson right there. Willow's you know? like, I found the guy and he was propped up. Was that guy propped up? He I was not. Like he was no. laying in bed. He was not propped up, Jenny. And what I wrote is down, this episode? What <laughs> is this episode? It's like they had three plots from three other episodes <laughs> that they yeah. like tried to cobble together together into one episode after yeah. the fact. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I, I really thought the same thing. I was like, uh, that dude wasn't propped up. I mean, he did look drained of blood, but like he certainly wasn't propped up. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But um, <laughs> too many holes, too many holes, I say. Yes. I want to talk really briefly because we don't have Kate in this episode about a couple of fashion things. Obviously, we're going to get to Spike. But before Spike, um, Willow's wearing a really nice coat that actually reminds me a lot of Oz's coat earlier in either this season or, yeah, I guess it was earlier in the season. Um, it's like fur on the inside. And, you know, it was a classic 90s oh, coat. She probably got it to remind her of Oz. Probably. And underneath her coat, Jenny, she's wearing Bunny's dog walking. Dude, what the fuck? But it's like, really? I don't know why I remember this shirt. Like, I remember seeing it. You know, it, it just really, really? Is, yeah, it sticks out for me. And I've, I've considered, like, maybe just maybe in our exclusive merch level for, for patrons, we can offer this as one of the choices for, for this time around. Like, maybe we offer them the same shirt that Willow was wearing, Bunny's Dog Walking. Oh. It's like a deep dig. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm thinking out loud. This isn't the place for business brainstorming. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. But I'm happy to hear that you're having thoughts. Also, before we leave this scene and get to Spike and all of his glory, I just want to say, what the fuck is Willow doing laying down in the bed of someone else in the dark at a party? Dude, I, I, I noticed it too. Like, what? Mm, party nap? It just go home. Like, you go home. You don't just go home. Walk. <laughs> She's waiting for Buffy. But like what? Oh. Buffy gets there and then what? Buffy's going to check the bedrooms? Right. No. Like, I, I, it was, it's odd. But you know what? Well, let's not get too tangled in the weird writing things that happen and move right along to something great that happens. And the setup of this scene is phenomenal, right? Fucking Xander comes down and Spike in the spookiest voice is like, what does he say? Like, don't look, don't. Don't look don't, or don't. Don't turn around or Don't like, turn around. Don't turn around because you're going to see my husband. Remember that song? <laughs> uh, of course I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's basically like, don't turn around. And you're like, oh, my God, you know, what's going on? There's a monster. Like something horrible has happened. Does Spike uh, become a porcupine demon? Right. But no, the horrible thing that's happened is Spike did the laundry and he shrunk all of his clothes. And now he's wearing Xander's fucking shorts and like. Dude. <laughs> Dude, I feel like he dude. could have found a better outfit. Like he really he took could have, but I feel like it's all part of the thing to like make him look as ridiculous as possible because he's so pale and his hair is so light. He's like fucking Phoebe Bridgers up in this piece, <laughs> and he's got like a light pale Hawaiian shirt and super light khaki short pants, which later you can see when they're walking around outside, he's also wearing his engineer boots with them, which just like come up really far. The shorts come down really, really low. And he just Uh looks so fucking goofy. So goofy. And I would like to, in complete dissonance with this image of Spike, give Spike a little bit of a uh, feeling of pride and play his jingle for him. Spike, I love you. Spike, so dreamy. Spike, you trench coat. Spike, remember when you were cool and we wrote you that jingle? Now what's happened to you? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, a, a spike in not Spike's clothing is still a spike. That's true. Um, Xander delivers again this whole monologue, and he says a, a phrase that I personally enjoy, which is that he refers to Spike's shiny white bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I personally... Wait, is that a sexual tension thing or no? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. When we get there, we can decide. But to me, I just... It okay. really tickled me. It, like, it really... You know, Spike is being undone. Like, his coolness is being undone at every turn. His clothing, his shiny white bottom being referred to mm-hmm. by Xander. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and Spike actually... I'm laughing, but, like, Spike gets real sad now. Like, he... He really does feel sad about what Xander says to him. He does. He really does feel like he's like kind of lost his purpose in life, and that's this is real now. Spike is bummed, and Spike uh, doesn't even want to live anymore. Spike, Spike, I know, I know, and we'll get there. But first, um, <laughs> Jenny, first we go back to the college lobby where the party uh-huh. is, of course, ending as every party does in Sunnydale uh, with the coroner, with the dead and, body, and a dead body in the corner. The fucking coroner, please somebody let me know. I really don't think that a coroner wears a gigantic back patch that says the only coroner. the word coroner on it. Um, I could be wrong, but um, I you know, thought... You know, that might be a thing. I'm I'm like, I'm riffling through uh, my riffling. memory of television procedurals. Uh-huh. Uh, and I feel like they're always wearing shirts that say like police and like FBI. Right, um, I did. So when maybe I, the coroner is just like want to fit in. I guess, yeah. When I said that, or I not actually, be misidentified. <laughs> when I said that, I actually thought of um, the last scene in the first season of Weeds. I think uh, spoilers for first season of Weeds, where oh, yeah. she puts on like the jacket or the robe. Is it a robe? And uh, it's a, a jacket. I think it's a jacket, and it's she like DEA on the back. DEA in like giant letters. So I don't know. Maybe people. Maybe but people I, in that's that, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, so who knows? Maybe the coroner really just needs you to know he's the fucking coroner. Seems kind of morbid to me, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, sure he takes pride in his work. And we get more, of course, of this, like, Willow. Uh, we see this, like, peppered throughout of Willow sort of being like, you know, this dude died and all of his blood was drained. It was really traumatic for me. I woke up right next to him. But also, Percy fucking called me a nerd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is, like, you know, it's funny and it's set up. But I think it's, like, very meaningful for the reasons that I talked about before. Is that, like, this really has affected Willow and, and she's carrying it with her very deeply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Time for some balls, Jenny. Time dude, for some balls. Dude, a little better balls. in basketball. Oh man, this fucking poster. Is this it's a foreplay? Yeah. Is is it what foreplay? Yeah, definitely. Listen, later when fucking Graham gets hit in the fucking head with the ball <laughs> when he walks in the door, like his entire attitude is like, can you two stop fucking making out? Somebody fucking died. You're always making out, you know? Like he's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, totally. He's so over it. But I think, is this the first time that we've seen the balls poster? I feel like it is. <laughs> And it's, like, really important to me that we just all take a moment for, like, (laughs) how this became. First of all, this is, like, for real, right? This is also really funny. Like, all the references to, to like, you know, um, uh, I can't even think of his name, Riley. Uh, (laughs) All the references to Riley, like, not being, like, not being good at basketball or whatever. Uh, Mark Lucas played fucking basketball for Wake Forest and is, like, a fucking basketball player. Like, he's real Uh good uh at palming more than just Buffy's tiny body. Uh, (laughs) Ayo. But I think it's yeah. Just but a he funny... can dunk on that too. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Yeah, we had some of you really into the dunking fan fiction, uh, asking us to please <laughs> locate some of that for you. Um, I have not done a deep dive, and, uh, but, you know, I'm sure it's out there. If it isn't, now, if it wasn't already out there, I'm sure it is now being crafted for you. Uh, so anyway, right. Forrest is just like, Buffy, uh, all you talk about is Buffy. Uh, I hate Buffy because kiss me, Riley. <laughs> oh my God. These two, you know, just saying. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a bad scene. Bad scene. Resentment um, building up. Jealousy. Right. Right. And so whatever, somebody died. So they're like, uh, fucking 10, four lilac, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we don't get to lilac till later, but they get all in their like military mode. And then, then this is where the dichotomy we were talking about before is set up, right? It's like, we go to Giles and, and they're like doing their thing their way. Um, right. Yeah. And, and this is, this is really fun. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just take us in with a sound clip here. It's, like, it's the end of the world. Again? again? So I just wanted to play that because it's like, I don't know. It's just very like tug in cheek, the whole series. Like, God damn it. The fucking world is always ending. And it's, yeah, I think we, yeah. right. Like we're in season four now. So we've seen it happen enough for them to make a joke of it. And I think it will continue to be a joke as the series goes on. That they're just like, Jesus Christ, with the fucking apocalypse. <laughs> Giles has such a fucking attitude in this scene. Like he's just like fucking you know, take it seriously and like blah, 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 blah. And like the world is ending. The world is ending. Like it's just like very, very intense coming from Giles. Giles has a lot of like odd Giles energy in this episode, actually, I've I noticed. Um, perhaps... Yeah, it's kind of all over the place, right? Yeah, he doesn't seem It's like... almost as if three people wrote three <laughs> different episodes. Uh, and of course, we get to the end of the scene. And this is like really important for you, Jenny, because you have talked at length about your frustration with the crossbow with the choice of the crossbow and so we get to the end of this scene and and like everybody's like well what are you gonna do and fucking buffy's like i'll stop it you know and it's kind of weird but she grabs the crossbow and i believe in the next scene we see her enter into the fucking like crypt or whatever with the crossbow and now your whole point, Jenny, is proven in this scene, right? She fucking shoots the crossbow. The thing bounces off the guy. She's got nothing left. She, she just throws the whole crossbow at him because... See, then that's just wasteful. <laughs> right. It's like, why? I, I'm just deeply why? offended by this whole situation. <laughs> this ongoing... Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. 
Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. And after that, Demon gives her a thrashing and runs off into the night. Oh, well, hey, it's, it's Riley. Riley's at the cemetery. We find out in short order that his code name is Lilac One, and Buffy's like, Lilac? <laughs> yeah, rude, Buffy. Lilac is a perfectly fine color for a gentleman. Um, and a beautiful flower. It smells great. Riley is very impressed with what he calls the flippy thing, which is the jump that we see so many uh, <laughs> of our talented <laughs> stunt people do throughout the series. Uh, also, just like a note to the stunt work in this scene, because the slam of Buffy over the headstone before Riley arrives is like Oof. very intense. And I don't understand how anybody can do that. Um, so yeah, hurt to watch. Hurt to yeah, watch. Yeah, it did hurt to watch. Um, and this is like, I don't know. Fucking Riley's getting a little puffed up here, but it doesn't get to the point where the jingle happens just yet. But he's like, don't sweat it. We'll bag it. You know, uh, he he does have the line, Jenny. Uh, what? You dated me before? And um, that's kind of what you've been saying all season as well. Yeah. He's like, well, you dated the white and dark chocolate version of me, but you haven't had the butterscotch. Therefore... <laughs> Flavors right. as yet untested, uh, right. and so on and so on. So I'm getting the sense that you like hate everything Riley has to say, and I want to no, say no, no. I actually wrote an erotic novel in this scene um, because oh, I, how does I it go. Oh, it goes. Um, thank you for asking. Thank you. Um, the my erotic novel goes. I can feel my skin humming, my hands, my every inch of me. That's that's the yeah. Whole, it's that's just the whole it's not the same when it's Riley. <laughs> You know what I mean? I think I mean, the only thought, erotic novels worth writing and reading from this show are between Faith and Buffy. I agree. I agree with you. But it was just like really sexual. Like it was just very, very sexual and very vulnerable on Riley, Riley's behalf, I think. So I was actually like I got a little annoyed with Riley in this scene. But like I, I was kind of here for him being like I can literally feel you like vibrating my skin. Like hell yeah. Iowa's Poet Laureate. Special Agent Riley Finn. I find what he has to say for himself very compelling. 
he's not being, I think, my, my read on the situation is that he's not being a jerk. He's just being like, I'm going to fucking lay everything out and mm-hmm. tell you exactly how I feel and tell you, like, how important this is to me yeah. and how real it feels and how, like, incredible and da 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 And, like, all I can do is tell you that, but, like, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to not take every shot that I have to make this happen because I feel that strongly about its potential. Yeah, I can get behind that in this exchange, not in the next exchange, and we'll get there shortly. But in this exchange, I am there for it. I do think that, like, Buffy brings up a point that will play in that next exchange that we're going to talk about, where she says, like, you know, pain, death, apocalypse. You can't understand it, right? Like, he can't understand it. And that's the thing that I, that is, like, a touchstone for me and why I get so frustrated with Riley and men uh, in the scene that we'll talk about soon. But in this scene, I'm with you. I agree. I think that, like, he really, really loves her. Well, love is maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But he really, really likes her. He feels very strong feelings for her. And he's definitely just trying his hardest to, like, lay it all out on the table. So I agree with you, Jenny. And listen, Buffy, for her part, I mean, okay, you went to high school on a hellmouth. Okay. Shit's been really intense. Okay. Wow, Jenny. <laughs> I just, wow. I just, I just, you're upsetting me as much as Riley right now. Wow. There's a whole different uh, take on the wow, wow, wow. That's my Kristen's the, annoyed the, version. The <laughs> wow, 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 wow. How the um, other wow wait, let, Let's, let's wait till we get to the next scene between the two of them before we get into this. Cause it sounds like we might have All a right. fucking throw down here. Uh, All right. Meanwhile, <laughs> mm, blood of a man, mm, bones of a child, mm, word of Valios, delicious. Yes, and and the word of Valios, Giles has, there's like a pan in on Giles, and he's like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which will, of course, come clear later when he then finally remembers that he has this fucking thing in his house. Xander has a line that I just want to give a small shout out to where they like are looking at the monster in the book and Xander says, I second that revulsion, uh, <laughs> which I believe is a play on I second that emotion, and I thought yeah. it was smart. Uh, and then, and then... We go to Xander's house and Willow and Xander walk in on Spike. <laughs> Goodbye, doing a- Drip. See you in hell. <laughs> Goodbye, Drew. I love that, that he, you know. After no, no, all no. He says goodbye, Drip. Oh, he does? I thought he said goodbye, Drew. Goodbye, Drip. See you in hell. <gasps> wow. Am I, am I way off? I'm pretty sure I, that's I, what he said. I don't know. I, I'm not going to even go back and check. I'm going to let everybody get all riled up in their cars and on their headphones with, with whichever one of us is right. But I really sure, thought he said sure. goodbye, Drew. Uh, and then tossed himself on this stake, which is not set up very well at all. It's, you know, it's not going to support the body weight of, of a vamp. And so everything clatters to the ground and they see this. And of course, you know, Willow, this is a very Xander Willow response. Xander's like, come on, man, I would have done it for you. Like an over your shit. <laughs> I've been over your shit forever and I can't stand it. And Willow has a soft spot um, for Spike and for just anyone, you know, because she's Willow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. she's sort of like, no, he's like, he's hurting and you can't like, we can't be mean to him in this like dark time. Uh, <laughs> and this amazing moment happens where Spike is sort of like, am I even remotely scary anymore? And he does this like, grrr motion. Oh my God, it's <laughs> painful. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. 
Um, but they take him with them on their on their mission, which is like, you know, Spike's been sort of like bordering Scoobyville as we've moved into this season because he's been rendered, you know, harmless to humans. And and mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. so I think this is like a big moment for for their coming together as as like a Scooby, as like Spike as maybe a maybe a Scooby. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, we're seeing Spike some, might be part of the gang. Yeah, we're seeing some friendship happen. And there's this really sweet line as they leave together as a trio where, you know, Xander's like, hey, you know, if it makes you feel any better, like, might be the apocalypse. And Spike's like, oh, man, you're not just saying that? Which <laughs> is very He just endearing. wants to die. He just wants to be put out of his Hawaiian shirt misery. I know. It's very sweet, though. Okay, so here we are on fucking, what's the main street in Sunnydale called? I always call it Main Street. State Street. State Street. And this is where Jenny and I, I mean, that the, could be the end of the podcast right here, based on the way that you spoke about Buffy earlier. Uh, <laughs> Riley has a stupid beepy thing that's fucking like just picking up traces. beepy thing. A, to, a useful tool? I mean, it's just silly. I just think it, I'm not, I, this, that wasn't a dig at Riley. It was like a, okay. a, a dig in general at like the show for being like, I know what he should have, a thing that beeps and like finds monsters. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. Riley's nice like. pheromone traces. <laughs> right. Riley's like, it. this whole thing is stupid. You're stupid. And then he's like, I didn't mean it. But also, like, I kind of did mean it. Like, you're being stupid. Now, I, w- I will have, like, a little bit of room for this as an extension of the previous scene, right? But then he goes and he's like, you know, Buffy, you have this doom and gloom mentality. And, like, if you just change your mentality on things, like, everything would be a lot different. And, like, yo, dude, you don't even fucking know her. Like, it's not like Riley's been around since fucking season one and he's assessing the situation. He hits some points on the head, but he doesn't hit all of them on the head. I think this is really fucked up because... Buffy, apparently this doesn't mean anything to you, Jenny, but Buffy went to fucking high school on the fucking Hellmouth. She has died and come back to life. Her life is in peril all the time. She has sent the most beloved person to her on the face of this earth to hell. She has been through a lot of shit and Riley doesn't know fucking any of it. And he's fucking coming up to her being like, you know what you need, Buffy? You need to fucking cheer up and be positive. And to that I fucking say, go the fuck away, Riley. Jenny, um, what do you have to say? <laughs> well, I think that um, <clears throat> maybe uh, tonally there's some room for improvement, but we're talking about people who are 18, 19, 20 years old. So mm-hmm. uh, everybody's still figuring their shit out. Um, oh, I just I... like about kids will be kids, boys will be boys argument coming from Jenny. Is that what you're saying? No, maybe I'll just <laughs> say what I have to say and just relax. <laughs> I think that Buffy and Riley have very different natures and they have very different experiences. And I think that they both have a lot to offer each other. And I think that Buffy could occasionally stand to lighten up. Uh, Buffy is very serious. She's very mission driven. She's been through a lot. I'm not saying that she doesn't have a reason to be serious and mission driven and and you know, very fatalistic at times. But um, I would also say that I think she stands to benefit from the presence of someone in her life who can offer her some levity to counterbalance 
the darkness that she is constantly engaged with. Well, and, and I agree with that. I'm not saying that like having someone near to her who is able to bring some levity to the situation would not be helpful for Buffy. I just think it's very inappropriate how he's saying what he does and does not know about her when he doesn't know much about her at all. And she is mission driven and she can be dark and like what have you. But I, I really think that she's doing her fucking best. And when you think about the things that she carries every day, like she's doing okay. And 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 that isn't to say, I don't, I'm not disproving your point, Jenny. I agree. I think that like there are ways in which Riley or someone like Riley or someone with levity could could be good. It's like when Faith was around, like that was, there were parts of that that were good for her. Oh, um, hell yeah. There were right? parts of it that were okay. good for her. But, but like that doesn't mean that you get a pass at not knowing her and saying this shit to her, you know? You know who so could what, what did he say that is like the most offensive to you? I think the he said two things. Well, really, the doom and gloom mentality bit like pissed me off more than anything else. But then when he calls her self-involved, and it's not that we've talked about the fact that Buffy can be self-involved, but it's it's not the things that he's saying. It's the fact that he is saying them, and we have seen how much he knows of her. And I feel it's very out of line. If this were, if this scene were happening between Faith and Buffy at the end of season fucking three, I would be here for it. You know, I would be fucking here for it because Faith really it would knew. end in finger banging. Because it would end in finger banging. And also because Faith knew her. Faith had spent a lot of time know, like they knew each other very well. Riley does not fucking know what she has been through. He doesn't know anything about her fucking life. I'm not going to yell again because I already yelled to get the jingle here. But I just like, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel okay about it. I don't feel okay about it at all. Um, I will though. Well, to, to, you to, said that, that Buffy's doing the best that she can. And I would say back to that, that Riley is doing the best that he can with what no, Buffy has no. been able to. No. With what Buffy has been able to no. share with him up to this point. <laughs> Buffy is also very closed off and she has been then asked because she felt like she had to be. And then, um then ask questions. they've only they've only just opened the doors to each other's secret lives. He is making declarative statements. He could be asking questions. That's all I'm saying. He could be asking her about her shit before he decides who she is. Now, I'm going to say a nice thing about Riley so that we don't just fight. You know, everybody's upset. Mom and dad are fighting, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. let's let's come together, I think, on something that Riley says that I find very powerful and evocative and important, which is um, he says to her, things fall apart. Evil comes and goes, but people pull each other through. Right. Like and this, I think, is really brilliant of Riley to say, like, this is a really good point. And I I just want to like, you know, I don't know. How do you feel about that thing that Riley said, Jenny? Do you like it? I love it. I feel great about it. And I think that it like is maybe where he's been getting this whole time is to this like moment of eloquence because Buffy is being like a real isolationist. You know? Yes, she is. And I agree with you. And he can't know that. See, this is, I think, why I get so fired up about it. He can't know that he that he doesn't understand. Right. Like there's well, no, you know he what? Doesn't you know what Riley's problem might be? What? It's possible that um, one writer wrote this no. scene and no. didn't converse with the no. other two writers about no. what has happened before. No, this no. Because this is so that we've seen this about Riley before. Right. Riley has a really hard time. And I'm being like gentle with him right now. But, like, Riley has a hard time understanding that there's more than he can understand. And that's the thing that I 
think stirs up feelings in me as a woman uh, who has been spoken to. Are you to. a woman? Wait, are you a queer I, woman? Wait. I am a queer cisgender woman and I've had many experiences in my life, some with people like my own father who have, who have mm. thought that they could understand the experience that I have lived through as a woman when they cannot, right? And so this is obviously not situated in a man-woman way, but a, like, I mean, it is because it's a man and a woman, but also there's, like, a slayer and not a slayer. And I'm just saying that, like, I think that in general in the world, if men would ask women more questions about their experience before declaring what they think about the way they're behaving, it would be more powerful. So maybe we're getting to the root of why I'm so screamy about this, Jenny. Screamy. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Shall we move along to the next scene? Yes. So I have a, I know Spike's just still wearing the same um, outfit, but I still wrote Spike's fucking outfit. I must have been like delighted by it all over again in the scene. Yeah, well, out in the moonlight, it really uh, takes <laughs> on uh, an even more like bone white glow. It does. It does. And they have this fight, you know, where Spike is pulling. Spike is like picking at old scabs at this point. Like we've seen this shit before, right? Tell them the Scoobies that they don't matter, that they're not helping, that Buffy's the only one that matters. Uh, it's a sensitive sore do you spot. Think that they're, do you think that they're that he's trying to get them to stake him? Or do you think no. because the way that he walks away and smiles, do you think he's like, it feels like a, a sliver of his former sense of purpose because he was like yes. mean to somebody. Yes, I, that's exactly what I thought. I did not think he was trying to get staked. I thought he was just like, if I can't punch him with my fists, <laughs> I can punch him with my punch words. Punch him with my words. Yeah, totally. And then we cut to Giles, who has a Putting great line. It together. A great line. Oh, as usual, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a good Giles moment. Right. And we get three on one for poor Giles. Um, He's so fucked up. Like when we see the aftermath of this fight, like the porcupine demons have. Well, that's what you get when you keep your the talisman in your talisman chest with all your other talismans. Jenny, he bought it at a sorcerer's estate sale. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Just fucking Giles, like, being on, like, mysticestatesales.net and, like, going, like, on a Sunday, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, We learn that they're going to open. That's what he and Jenny Calendar probably used to do together. Oh, that's even more sad than what I thought, which was, oh, I wonder if him and Olivia went to the sorcerer's estate sales. Oh, my God. Why do we, why do we, like, have to make going to an estate sale, like, a thing that romantic people do together? But it feels feels like that's true. And then, you know, they're going to open the Hellmouth. And so that means that everybody's got to go back to Sunnydale High School. Going back to high school, they say, as they, like, put their sunglasses down on the bridge of their nose and, like, take a drag (laughs) of their cigarette and then throw it, one drag smoked onto the ground, and then crush it with the tip of their engineer boot. (laughs) Oh, speaking of, like, that really cool, cool image... Uh, the really cool, cool Spike really has a bone to pick with Xander's choice of saying, let's rock and roll. <laughs> so love it. Into love the it. school. Um, I do love whosever decision it was to put mayor meat and snakeskin all over the set. I think that's everywhere. Like very, it's fucking so everywhere, gross. but it's really funny. And I love, I love it. You know, everybody loves a callback to the last season. We love remembering that, oh yeah, there was a snake here and he did die in the school. 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Xander quickly realizes as he's trying to fight off a demon and then the demon just jumps into the crack in the Hellmouth that uh, the demons are the sacrifice. This is the missing piece. They think they're going to go in and find like people tied up um, and ready to be sacrificed, but they don't. And it's because the demons themselves are going to sacrifice themselves to end yes. the world. Um, oh, God. So I really think something that bothers me about this in general is don't you think that they should seal up that crack in the Hellmouth? I mean, wouldn't <laughs> that be nice? I just feel like, you know, you guys went down there. You see there's a crack in the foundation. So like, just get some cement down there, dudes. Yeah, get some fucking putty. Put it in the hole. Seal that shit putty. up. The really remarkable thing that happens in this scene is that Spike just can't take it anymore he can't take it anymore and he <laughs> like pulls back his fist and he just punches this fucking demon even though he thinks it's gonna knock him cold you know and he does it and it doesn't hurt him and he is so stoked he's reborn <laughs> Wow. So Hooray! Hooray! He's back. Spike is back. Oh, he's gotten his sense of purpose. He can live uh, and he can fight demons. How fun. How fun. Yeah, that is so great. He's all like, I can hurt a de- I'm sorry. I can hurt a demon. <laughs> and and, and uh, stepping back really quickly, I just want to mention Willow with the bag of children's bones. Just like <laughs> very like casually, oh, I've got the bones. And then I think they like hot potato the bag of bones between her and Xander for a second. Everyone's just like very comfortable with this bag of a child's bones. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then Spike uh, in his like newfound rising from the ashes, uh, in his excitement of that, he uh, throws one of the demons into the hole which he should right. not have done. Right. Should He's so proud. Done. He's like, I was hoping. <laughs> and then Riley shows up. What's up, Riley? And then <laughs> and then the last porcupine demon sneaks his manicured fingers around the word of Valios and starts like crawling to the hole, slides right into it. Yep. Buffy's like, I'm going in. Riley's yep. like, I'm clipping you in on this carabiner because you're coming back out. Then Buffy just like jumps in the hole. Then Riley's like feeding the rope out, which seems like a counterintuitive. Like it doesn't seem like he would need to do that. Um, right, and then right. he like, and then it's like running through his hands. And we see how fast Buffy is falling. And yes. I want to tell you, yes. I recently got my belay certification um, <laughs> so that I can belay people uh, at the rock climbing gym. And wow, part of belaying. Wow. An expert here among us. Part of belaying is lowering people. And you have like this this belay device, which the, the rope runs through, right? But you're like feeding it with your hands. Your hands control the speed at which the rope can pass through the belay device. And just lowering somebody down like pretty slowly, the belay device gets really, really hot where the rope passes through. Mm -hmm. So like this is a much thinner rope yes. moving much faster. I don't understand how Riley is able to like even have that on his hands or why he would want to. Uh, because it's got to be hot and and burny. Yeah, I am not certified to belay Jenny, but I wrote down that tiny cord on Riley's hand would cut it in half. Now, 
Like, I don't mean right? to get all, like, fucking hell mathy up in here. But there's just, like, it's, like, <laughs> pretty basic math here to say if a human being is falling at the speed at which she's falling and you put your hand on a skinny little fucking cord, it's going to slice you right open. Yeah, it doesn't seem good. It doesn't, doesn't seem, seem good, good, but glad he survived for whatever reason. All right. <laughs> then, of course... They pull. She pulls him out, which also seems like I know she's the Slayer, but this lift out seems that just very, goes very fast, and she's carrying a whole other guy. Yeah, with like one hand, and pulls him out, and whatever. But they they save the world, so thank goodness. And they're walking out, Buffy and Riley, and of course, you know Willow and Xander and Spike are all there, and Riley. Is, must be, you know, Riley must be in the fucking credits now because he has also lost any ability to tell a good lie. I yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> I was just passing by and... Uh, uh, mm, paintball. Oh, hello. What are the odds? Wow. <laughs> and uh, there's a moment. I know we've played a few sound clips. This is sound clip heavy, but there's just... You know, it's not a great episode, but there's some great sound clips. Because then in the middle of this, like, obviously him being found out, he looks at Spike and he's like, don't I know you? To which Spike does my favorite accent of all of Spike's accents, the, his American <laughs> accent, and oh says... Oh, my God. Me? No. No, sir. I'm just an old pal of Xander's here. Oh, thank you. This thank is you. great because James Marsters, of course, is American. Right. Doing a British accent, which does, if you like watch an episode from season, uh, an early season of Spike and a later season of Spike, the accent definitely develops and changes over time. Mm -hmm. But he's an American doing an English accent and then doing an American accent as an English person. It's it's just really great. The like <laughs> super hard R's. It's like really really funny. A plus. Xander. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Then like so, then yes. they're leaving and and Xander and Willow have this exchange like wow it's weird being back everything seems so small. Guys, you were there like five months ago. Right. You, right. The size of like when you when you talk about stuff being small, it's like you go visit your elementary school or whatever. It's not like you're you're already adult sized when you're in I, high school. <laughs> I thought that this might be a play on like because she's she says everything is so small and charred. So I thought it like might have been like a joke about like how everything is like shrunken because it's burned. But also, I, I don't know. Uh, oh, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't think so. So we go back to Riley's. And uh, first of all, I want to say that in this series, Angel has lived in places that are made of entirely glass, right? And Angel can't be hit by sunlight. And he just lives amongst all of the windows, uh, <laughs> glass ceilings, the whole nine. And now we have Riley, who is a human, uh, totally fine with sunlight. His windows are the size of thumbnails. They're just these tiny little windows up at the top of the ceiling. And I'm just saying, like, it seems like perhaps Angel and Riley should talk to each other, swap, swap pads, you know? Swap spots, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, it seems safer. Um, Riley's all, it's the end of the world. And Buffy's all, I know how to do this role play. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and then the kissing. And I would rank Sarah Michelle Gellar and Mark Lucas kissing as like C minus material. Mm -hmm. At least this time. Like, yeah, it's not, it's great. not great. They're figuring their shit out. And with that, like mediocre kissing, Jenny, why don't we roll right into uh, the sexual attention awards? Oh, hell yeah. Well, 
welcome back to the Sexual Tension Awards, of course, for season four, episode 11, Doomed. Here are your nominees for your voting pleasure. Up first, we've got uh, two sexy commandos in their military fatigues. Yeah. Always sweaty. Always playing bedroom basketball, if you know what I mean. It's Riley and Forrest. Second of all, we've got, wow, reunited and it feels so good, Spike and kicking ass. <laughs> yes, my vote goes with Spike and kicking ass. Am I not allowed to tell them that? No, you're absolutely, I encourage you okay. to uh, influence the voters. <laughs> Great. Uh, then we've got up third, wow, a man and his map. It's Giles and that map of Sunnydale with initiative push pins all over it. Hot, hot, oh, hot. So satisfying. And the pairing that perhaps we should have seen coming all along, but we've failed to notice on the horizon, just remained, uh, just been under our noses. What the hell? It's Xander <laughs> and Spike's shiny white bottom. Oh, well, You're Jenny, welcome, I, America and I, I, the rest I, of the globe. I know you didn't mean to do it, but you, you said it was right under our noses right before saying Spike's shiny white bottom. So I just like... <laughs> Really feel like you set that one up well. Um, wow, thank good you. Job. Hot, hot, um, hot, 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 hot. Well, should I um should I tell people the the winners from Hush? Yes, please. Wow, so fucking Hush, major sexual tension. Um, we had uh, sadly with only two percent coming in fourth <laughs> place is Anya and Xander. They really, you know, they tried, but they just could not outweigh the other contenders here. Um, yep, nearly yep, tied. Yep. Uh, nearly tied with 12 and 13% respectively. Third place, we have Olivia and Giles. They, they did a great job, but you know, there was a... There was a nominee in this group that was just going to really outshine the rest, and we all knew yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, couldn't be helped. Couldn't be couldn't helped. Couldn't be helped. Um, with 13%, Olivia and all of us. And... <laughs> Jenny, with Good 70... gravy. This is probably the most sweeping uh, landslide victory of sexual tension award history. Yes, and it makes sense uh, when you think about like sort of where we sit thematically as as a duo. Sure. <laughs> 73% of you voted for Tara and Willow to take it for the first time and perhaps not the last, sexual attention. They moved a fucking vending machine. Let's be real, everybody. We Come knew on, they were going to win. Very powerful. Very powerful. If you didn't already see the costume that Jenny and I wore for Halloween, uh, you might want to check it out because we were we were the winner of the Sexual Attention Award, as a matter of fact. Truly. Uh, yeah. If only we had known that uh, we could have held up an award in our hands. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Give an illustration of this win. Yes, the trophy's uh, in the mail, Kristen. Yes. Congratulations to you both, Willow and Tara. And uh, yeah, that, that does it for Sexual Attention Awards. So should we talk about the rest of this episode? The last little bit here? The last little bit. It is very special. Xander and Willow just want to watch TV in the basement, of course. Right. But Spike, Spike has a, well, he's just plagued by a sense of uh, justice and wants to uh, battle evil very desperately because it's the only thing he can still battle. Yes. And he is looking Hot! Oh my god, he, he looks is so looking good. so hot. Spike. Spike in fucking blue jeans and a black t-shirt with a belt 
Hell Yes. As I often say. As you often do. Um, Instead of playing Specs Jingle again, which he does deserve, um, I, I'd like to take us out of this episode with one more sound bite of Spike just taking out the episode. Come on, vampires! Urgh, nasty! Let's annihilate them for justice and for the safety of puppies and Christmas, right? Let's fight that evil. Let's kill something. Oh, come on. Well, I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not watching Buffy and making this podcast, I'm usually writing and recording songs. You can learn more about me and hear some of those jams at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. And you can always give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. Yes, and I am Kristen Russo. You can find out about the work that I do with LGBTQ communities and with their loved ones over at my website, which is kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can also use that spelling to find me on Twitter and on Instagram, where I, you know, talk about lots of things. You can get pictures of Sam as Freddy Krueger. Uh, from Halloween, mm-hmm. if you want to, which I can't see why you wouldn't. Uh, and also, you know, you can check out mykidisgay.com, which is a really brilliant resource um, for parents and loved ones of LGBTQ people, as well as educators. Um, I, I pointed out specifically because I think it's good for kind of anyone. There's stuff on that site that will help any human learn more about queer and trans people. So go do that, would you? Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BufferingCast. And you can always drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. Yes, and you can, of course, support our work and everything that we are doing here. You can support us in a few ways. You can go on over to our website, BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com, and click on Patreon. Join us as a patron. Uh, You get really fun things. Buffy watches uh, the advanced MP3 files of the song, so you don't have to wait until the end of the season. Uh, Bonus mailbag episodes, exclusive merchandise. Plus, it's just really fun, and at any level, you get to join the secret Facebook group, which is... I think one of the most beautiful communities I've ever been witness to. Oh my my gosh, it's so magical. It's so magical. So magical. So join us. You can also go over to our website and click shop if you'd like to purchase things. Um, We are past Halloween, which means that we are officially in the holiday season. Uh, If you want (laughs) to. Is that how it works? Uh, Yeah, that's how it works. It's Halloween, then it's the holidays. So if you want to, uh, you know, get some gifts for your loved ones or uh, people who you think really need to learn about smashing the patriarchy, you can do that in our store. And um, all that also helps us keep on keeping on over here. Last but not least, you can go on over to iTunes and rate and review us. You can check out Angel on Top, our angel podcast hosted by Brittany Ashley and Laura Zach and rate and review them too. Yeah. (laughs) Until next time. It's the end of the world again I don't know how this keeps on happening There's no rest for the wicked Even less for me and my friends It's the end of the world It's apocalypse time again A bad time to commit to new boyfriends He wants a beginning but my car
calling never ends It's apocalypse time again Whoa, what's the point of loving When it seems like there's always something Trying its hardest to summon End of times and this burden's mine Every time my disbelief gets harder to suspend When it's the end of the world again Whoa, what's the point of loving When it seems like there's always some demon Trying its hardest to summon The end of time and this burden's mine Oh my But I stopped the end of the world again Hey, nobody even wound up dead If my heart will beat for another week I can open it to him Cause I stopped the end of the world again best content for kids is both entertaining and educational. And with 5 for 5 Trivia, not only do kids get to learn from each week's brand new theme, they also get to challenge themselves by playing trivia. A Parents' Choice Foundation Silver Award winner, this fast-paced trivia podcast is perfect for kids ages 6 to 12. It's released five times a week, so it's a quick addition to your daily routine and a fun challenge to get five out of five right on trivia topics like animal sounds, time travel, fictional ghosts, and underwater exploration. So get your high fives warmed up and check out Five for Five Trivia, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts.